Nobody builds 5G like Verizon builds 5G. Because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in America. And the more you do with 5G, the more building it right matters. The more your network matters. The more Verizon engineers going the extra mile matters. It's us pushing us. It's Verizon versus Verizon. 5G built right from America's most reliable network. Most reliable based on rankings from RootMetric's second half 2020 U.S. report of three mobile networks. Results may vary. Award is not an endorsement. For the fifth time, I am Not Joe Flacco. And this is Not Joe Flacco, the podcast. Today, I'm answering questions from Kyle Mason and some guy named Nacho. Kyle is asking, Kyle's telling me that Lamar Jackson's going to fall off. Mason's telling me that Carson Wentz could win an MVP. And Nacho's asking me, what the hell would I do with NFL penalties if I was commissioner? It's going to be a wild one. Let's hear from our sponsor. Nacho Flacco the Podcast is brought to you by Cereal. One of my followers suggested that he ate Frosted Flakes because he was black, but I eat Frosted Flakes. Was there a racial cereal draft that I missed out on? And what side of the racial cereal war am I on? Because I'm fighting with the Frosted Flakes people. Nothing else matters. My hot take is that Lamar Jackson is in for a huge fall-off. Kyle is thinking that Lamar is going to fall off. I don't see it, Kyle. Sorry to to burst your bubble here. Here's why. He had such a good season that I don't think – let me, put it, let me put it this way. He had such a good season. He won the MVPs, the youngest MVP in the history of the league. He was younger even, as is common fact now. He was younger even than the Heisman winner this year. And I doubt that's ever happened before. The So what I did was, but there's always, you know, there's always flash in the pans. There's always those guys that that come in and make something happen for a year or two. And then you never hear from him again. And I wonder if that's what Kyle's thinking is going to happen to Lamar Jackson. So I looked up kind of the same way that I did with Josh Allen yesterday. I looked up where Lamar Jackson's second year in the league stacked up against other quarterbacks second year in the league. And I wanted to see the list of the guys that played as well as Lamar Jackson did last year to see if there's any kind of like crazy harbingers of disaster, right? Is there any icebergs up ahead? Is there anybody's career that we can point to and go, oh, shit, well, I mean, Lamar Jackson could end up like, you know, because when we did this with Josh Allen, I was looking for the other thing. I'm kind of down on the guy, and I was saying, okay, maybe I'm missing something. Maybe there's a guy that I think is great and that has led his team to 
playoff wins and Super Bowls and MVPs. He just wasn't a very accurate passer to start his career. But when I looked up those passers, they're all garbage. All of them. And so I'm even further downer down on Josh Allen than I was before I recorded yesterday's podcast. So I went back and I did it for Lamar Jackson. And if you're thinking that Lamar Jackson is going to fall off a cliff, the next couple names aren't going to make you happy. So Lamar Jackson threw for 66% completion percentage, 3,000 yards, 7.8 yards per attempt, and 36 touchdowns. I took all those numbers down just a tick. So 65%, 3,000 yards, 7.5 yards per attempt, 35 touchdowns. And I got three names besides Lamar Jackson. And those names are Patrick Mahomes. You may have heard of him. Kurt Warner, who's in the Hall of Fame. And Carson Palmer, who was only a number one overall draft pick. And is basically the Joe Burrow horror story. Like this is, maybe this is, I'll save this for another pod. But we should look at the Carson Palmer career. Because he's getting drafted by the same team. Who's still got the same owner and the same shitty way of doing business. And it's a miracle Carson Palmer survived that and ended up having a decent career. But anyways, so Patrick Mahomes, Kurt Warner, and Carson Palmer are the only three QBs since 1981 that have done what Lamar Jackson did. I don't see any, I don't see any issues saying that I'm not concerned if Lamar Jackson has any of those guys' careers. Now, granted, Patrick Mahomes is only a year ahead of Lamar Jackson, but I think we can all pretty safely assume that Mahomes isn't going to, provided he doesn't actually fall off a literal cliff, probably isn't going to fall off a cliff. So I said, okay, maybe his season was so good, maybe Lamar Jackson's season was so good that there just weren't enough quarterbacks that have ever done that. And so obviously only really good quarterbacks do that. So I went searching for more shitty quarterbacks that have had one great season in their second year. And so I found four more names. Dan, Dan, I think it's Marino. Dan Marino, haven't heard of him. Uh, Carson Wentz, who we're familiar with. And then two interesting names. Dante Culpepper and Jeff Garcia. Now they both played back kind of last decade and they're not exactly household names, but Dante Culpepper was lighting the league on fire for several years there in Minnesota, got hurt and was never the same. Jeff Garcia had kind of the opposite thing. Very late start to his career. He was short, went to a small school, ended up going to uh, the Canadian Football League, balled out, I think won a couple titles, and then Bill Walsh, legendary Niners coach and then advisor, late in Bill Walsh's life, was banging on the table saying, you got to sign this guy. 
And so he and Jeff Garcia backed up Steve Young in 1999. Steve Young got hurt, had his last concussion. Uh, Aeneas Williams coming on a cornerback blitz. I can still fucking see this like it was fucking yesterday. Aeneas Williams coming off the cornerback blitz. Lawrence Phillips missed the block. Troubled running back Lawrence Phillips missed the block. Aeneas Williams knocked the shit out of Steve Young. Steve Young never played again. Jeff Garcia took over and, had, and did some nice things that year in a in really his first NFL role. But then in his second year, 31 touchdowns, 10 interceptions, 4,000 yards passing. And broke over his career, he broke several of Young and Montana's records. So this was not a, 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 a not a schlub by any means. Nobody on this list didn't have a stretch of football. Provided, you know, except for maybe Wentz, but he's young. But he was in the MVP conversation a year or two ago. Nobody on this list didn't have a stretch of football where they weren't actually, like, lighting the league on fire. They might not have been the best quarterback in the league. I mean, Marino was three three straight first-team All-Pros. Kurt Warner uh, won a title. He's in the Hall of Fame. So we got two Hall of Famers on here. Mahomes is headed there. Wentz, you know, it's way too early to tell. And then two, and then Culpepper and Garcia, who, if Lamar Jackson is only as good as those guys for the rest of his career, he's going to make a lot of money. He's going to win a lot of games. The thing that Culpepper didn't have was his health. And the thing that Garcia didn't have was that he started too late. And starting late, when you when when you when you come to the league at around thirty years old, you don't have organizations, no matter how good you are, that want to build a team around you, because they want to go sign the twenty-two year old that's going to be there for fifteen years instead of the thirty-year-old that's going to be there for six. Might be a little silly, but it is what it is. And the other reason this is a horseshit take. From, you know, this whole, like, he's going to fall off. It's because there's only ever been nine players in the history of football who have won multiple MVP awards. And those guys are all Hall of Famers. Peyton Manning, Jim Brown, Johnny Unitas, Brett Favre, Joe Montana, Steve Young, Aaron Rodgers, Kurt Warner, Tom Brady. I mean, the only guys not on in the Hall of Fame already from that list are Rodgers and Brady, and they're my first and seventh greatest quarterbacks of all time. And because I rank them that high, of course they're getting into the Hall of Fame. So I think it's silly to expect Lamar Jackson. So based off this, right, because there's we've got we, we've looked at history now, going back almost God, 40 years, because I took it from the year I was born, almost 40 years back, and the worst quarterbacks that we can find were Pro Bowl quarterbacks. Dante Culpepper, Jeff Garcia, Carson Wentz, Carson Palmer. The worst guys that we could find were Pro Bowl quarterbacks. And so I think it's silly to assume he's just going to fall off the face of the earth, barring injury. Now, if he gets hurt, that changes things. Specifically to a shoulder or a knee, those things, that changes things. But I think it's also unfair to say, oh, he didn't win the MVP. Gotcha. Fucking told you so. I'm right every time. 
because only nine guys have ever won multiple MVPs. So cut the guy some slack, but also don't fucking sleep on him. He is going to have a good career, and I really hope he stays healthy because he's fun as hell to watch. I just hope the Niners don't have to play him in a Super Bowl. Anyway, Kyle, good question. I'm not sure you you you, you like the answer, but uh, you know if if you're a if you're an NFC North or an AFC North team that doesn't have Lamar Jackson, you're uh you're you're going to be watching him for a few years. Really, probably tear up the league. Carson Wentz has MVP talent. It's just that he doesn't have good enough weapons around him to utilize. Okay. Mason, I'll concede it. Carson Wentz, talented quarterback, and his options this season, not fucking great. We've all seen the memes. Aguilar and Jeffrey drop everything. They had a an uh, armada of running backs that were all kind of average. Miles Sanders looks like he could be good, though. But, like, I disagree that you need all-world talent around you to facilitate a season good enough to win an MVP. I mean, look at what Lamar Jackson just did. He won the MVP. Who did he have on his team? Mark Ingram? Mark Ingram and? Mark Ingram and? A few tight ends that were rotated around? Nice play caller. Okay, so let's just, okay, not everybody's going to rush for a 1,000 yards, and that needed to be rewarded. And the year before that was Patrick Mahomes, and we all know how many weapons Patrick Mahomes has. But he threw 50 fucking touchdowns. So if you're going to have weapons around you, you better come with the touchdowns. So is Carson Wentz a guy that's going to throw for 50 touchdowns if you give him the weapons? I mean, it's only happened, the only... Two, three other guys have done it. It's not likely he's going to throw 50 touchdowns. So go back a year further. Tom Brady had Gronk, who's all-world. He's the Space Jam tight end. He's the guy that I'm taking to to fight the aliens. But the only other guy they had that did anything really was Brandon Cooks. And they got rid of him the year after and won the Super Bowl. That guy is... That guy is the definition of replaceable. Matt Ryan, the year before, had Julio. But Julio and Devontae Freeman. But he he did stuff with it. What happened the year before that? Cam Newton. All Cam Newton had was Greg Olson. And Carson Wentz has Zach Ertz. I don't think Olsen's any better than Zach Ertz. Was or is. Other than Mahomes, you got to go all the way back to Peyton Manning in Denver. With Demarius Thomas and Eric Decker and Julius Thomas and Wes Welker to find like an absolutely stacked skill set, skill position players. But Manning also threw for 50-plus touchdowns. So the lesson we're learning here is you can win an MVP without worlds of talent around you. 
And you don't even have to put up record-breaking stats to do it. You've just got to be the guy. you got to be the conductor. You've got to be the point guard. You've got to be the guy that's spreading it around and making these guys better because they're on your team. Or if you do have the talent, you better do something really fucking special. Like 50 touchdown special. Rodgers won the MVP. All he had was Jordy Nelson and Greg Jennings. Neither of those guys are going to the Hall of Fame. The year before that, Brady did it, and the only guy that cracked 1,000 yards rushing or receiving? Ben Jarvis Green Ellis. So what's the, what's the, what's the lesson here, I guess? What's the, the point we're trying to prove? You said that Carson Wentz has, Wentz has MVP talent, just doesn't have the weapons. And I would argue that he's got the MVP talent and he's got the weapons that'll make it easier on him to win the MVP. Because if you've got scrubs around you and you carry them to the one seed or you carry them to the two seed, you're more likely to win the MVP than somebody with all the talent. Carson Wentz is more likely to win the MVP this year than Drew Brees is because Carson Wentz doesn't have the talent around him. Because if Carson Wentz can put up the season that he that would get the Eagles to 12 and 4, 12 and 13 and 4, whatever the, how many ever fucking games we're playing this year. It's going to really screw up my math when we have to start doing this based off 17 games. Carson Wentz gets the Eagles to the number one or the number two seed this year. With this team, yeah, he'll win the MVP. Or at least be really, really, really close. But Breeze is going to have to do something because now he's got Emmanuel Sanders, he's got Michael Thomas, he's got Kamara, he's got all these guys. And so Breeze has to do something even more special because now he's got the talent around him. Because it's not, you don't just you don't just roll it out there and be like, okay, whoever had the best season. And and well, and 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 these voters, it's not like they don't take into account the other weapons you have. And I think we're seeing that in what I just went over is because when you have the talent around you, by God, you better put up 50 touchdowns. If you don't have the talent around you, you better go get a one or a two seed or be Adrian Peterson. When you look at, so out of the four guys that have had the most talent, you got, uh, sorry, four seasons, it really comes down to just two players, Mahomes, with his talent and his coaching, Manning in Denver, and then Manning twice in Indianapolis. And we know how many weapons Manning had around him in Indy. Multiple versions of the triplets. Multi, you know, at one point, I think he's, he's probably going to end up with two Hall of Fame. He was throwing to two Hall of Fame receivers. So, yeah, having... Having the talent around you helps, but you got to do. But Manning is the best regular season quarterback of all time. He did something with that talent. Brady, on the other end, still has multiple MVPs, 
has had some talented teams around him, has had some all-world players. Randy Moss for a year or two, Gronk for Gronk's entire career. Edelman's a good wide receiver. He's not a Hall of Famer. Going to get into that debate soon. But you can win an MVP without great talent around you, and, and you could even argue that it makes it easier because the bar is lower. Carson Wentz doesn't have to go and throw 50 touchdowns this next year. Throw 40 to this group of scrubs, you're winning an MVP. Does you'll probably, your team's probably, you know, in that, in the NFC East, God, if Carson Wentz comes out and throws 40 touchdowns this year, you know he's getting some MVP votes. So I wouldn't put it all on the talent around him to go get it, to, to go win the MVP award. Sometimes you just got to go win it if you're the quarterback. Because no other position gets to win it as frequently as the quarterback does. And there's a reason for that. It's because you've got the ball in your hands on every fucking play. And so Carson Wentz, you want to win an MVP. Or Eagles fans, you want Wentz to win an MVP. He's going to have to go win an MVP. He's going to have to be the most valuable player on the team. Or if he's got the talent around him, which he won't have this year, he's going to have to do something 50 touchdown special. And if he doesn't do that, stop complaining. You got a good quarterback. <laughs> he doesn't need to win an MVP. Okay, we're not talking about Carson Wentz like he's going to be top 10 of all time. He's a very good quarterback, but he's got the rest of his future ahead of him. All right, it's, it's way too early for, for any kind of will his career be worth it without an MVP. Wait till you know you're close to 40 or over 40 and your name is Drew Brees. So, Mason, that's that's my take there. I don't, I don't, I don't think you're looking at this right. I think Carson Wentz has the exact level of talent around him to make an MVP season easiest for him. Because if he had the talent, he'd have to do something that I don't think he's necessarily capable of. Thanks for calling in. Hi, not Joe. Big fan. It's not Joe. I have a question for you. How would you change penalties if you were commissioner for a day or a year or 10 years? What would you do with penalties? Not Joe. We have the same name. You sound handsome. Anyways, what would I do with penalties? Funny you should ask that. So I buried this. So I, I did a meme today about the pass interference rule and how they're not, they are no longer going to send the reviews up on the pass interference, which is thank fucking Jesus. Cause it was the dumbest fucking thing they've ever done. There's not enough self-policing in football. And I'll use other sports as an example. In soccer, when you get a yellow card, you play different. A little less likely going for a slide tackle. You keep it cleaner. In basketball, when you get two early fouls in the first quarter, you play different for the rest of the half. When you get that fourth foul, or fifth foul late in the game, 
you play different. But the NFL doesn't have any of that self-policing that the actual game and the rules of the game build up pressure to play more clean as you get in more trouble. And you've got these penalties like holding and pass interference that just like in in the NBA, you can call a foul on every play. And everybody knows John Madden always says, you can call holding on every single play in the NFL. Okay, so start handing out fouls. You don't even you don't even necessarily need to stop the game. You don't need to back it up. You don't need to replay the down. Right? If it's a ticky tack hold, but it's still a hold, no reason to add yardage. Just give them a give them a foul. And at a certain point, the players would foul out. Now I don't know how many you know in an, in an NBA game. There's a hundred possessions. Right. And so five or six, six fouls feels, you know, it doesn't, you know, so you it's you wouldn't want to make it like the the targeting rule. Right. Or the the unsportsmanlike conduct penalty where you get one and then the next one you're out. But there could be, you know, because the coaches might have to look at, you know, if you're late in the game and your left tackle has two fouls on him. And he's out of the game if he gets a, th- a third holding, and they're blitzing from that side. Are you better off with your stud left tackle in there, who's playing cautiously, or the backup who can drag somebody down by the <laughs> drag somebody down by the fucking the horse collar to make sure that they don't hit the quarterback? I think it'd be like I think it would add So I think it would be so interesting to watch coaches fuck this up as well. Because the the NBA coaches, they've got decades of experience figuring out, you know, it's like, okay, two quickies in the first. Let's let's pull him. We'll bring him back kind of at the end of the uh end of the, you know, midway through the second. Hopefully he doesn't pick up his third. Right. But as soon as he gets his third, he's out for the half, and then they kind of start over after the half. And soccer, you know, it, it kind of self-pleases itself. The referee gives a yellow card, and from there on that, the guy's got to play clean, or the guy, or the, or the team has a huge disadvantage, and they're down a man. But with football, there's no disincentive for the players to start playing the game cleaner, to stop holding, to stop the pass interference. And so, if you're not getting the results that you want you you don't and here's here's where the nfl is really screwed up is they have added more rules to this stuff and they've made the rules more finely tuned and it's like okay you can do this but you can't do that you can do this but you can't do that give a defensive lineman a you know a a, a foul right for the tap on the head like listen we know that didn't hurt tom brady He's flopping around there on the fucking ground like a, a fish. But he he's not hurt. All right, so here's a foul. You get two more of those. Stop fucking around. He's going to get it. If he gets another one, he's going to play different for the rest of the game. And the game's going to get cleaner. And it'll the rules of the game police itself. Because right now it doesn't do that. 
you just hope you don't get caught. And when you get caught, coach fucking blows up and everything else is running, running around and screaming and the Saints end up fucking starting a petition. And then the entire game has changed. The entire NFL has changed because they missed one call here or there. Now, the big fouls, like a face mask, right? The, the dangerous play, the things that can hurt another player, those are the ones that you can still use 10, 15-yard penalties for. All right? Pass interference, you know, that changes the, the, the complexity of the game, but, like, you get a couple of quick early pass interference calls because they might they'll call them tighter. You know, if it's not going to give up yards and stuff, the, the referees could call the game tighter. And if you're calling the game tighter, the players will adjust to that. But you don't actually have to necessarily, and again, you don't even necessarily have to stop the game. You don't even necessarily have to have to, you know, turn the, you know, uh, you don't have to you know, mark off any yardage, right? You can just be like, hey, Basically, just call it, hey, ticky-tack foul on Richard Sherman. Like, hands to the face. Why is that a... Who fucking cares? What? Make it a foul and just, like, don't... You know, it's like, don't do it again. You get, you get, you get two of those. Right? Every player, every player gets three fouls. They're in for, what, 50, 60 plays? Every player gets three fouls. I think it would be like, I think <laughs> it's late and I've been up for a long time, but I think this would be interesting. It's, it's just fucking, this is bananas. I know, but other sports are doing this and it's, it, and the more I think about it, the more that the NFL lacks that self-preserve, that, that's, that self-policing that the rules kind of, you know, end up saying, no, no, you can't do this. You know, baseball had to do some of this because the game was the players were placing the game. And so too many guys were getting hit and there were too many fights. And so they said, uh, then now the umps come out and they warn the benches and say, no more of this shit. But everybody gets one. But football is just you mark off the yards and that's it. And there's not a, you know, and, and so it feels like because of that, the refs who could call a penalty on every play don't. And then you end up with this situation where, well, my team got fucking screwed and I'm owed one and this is shit and the game is rigged and blah, blah, blah. And it's because the game isn't officiated the same way every single play. You know, there's the, the pass interference uh, that was called on Kittle that wasn't called on Kyle Rudolph the week before. You know, Kyle Rudolph extends his arm out on a touchdown catch, locks his arm out, creates separation, catches a touchdown. No offensive pass interference. George Kittle in the Super Bowl extends his arm out. Pass interference. And it's because it's that discrepancy in things that is what pisses fans off and slows the game down and makes people think that the game is rigged. And the game's not fucking rigged. There's too much money at stake for them to rig these games. And like trying to squeeze out an extra, you know, half a ratings point just because 
the more popular quarterback gets to the Super Bowl is fucking stupid. There's so much money at stake. And the, the owners don't really, only a couple owners actually want to win a Super Bowl. It'd be nice for a lot of them, but these teams are investments. Anyway, I'm kind of off on a tangent. But the NFL should at least explore officiating the game like a basketball game. And at least explore that concept. I don't have all the answers right now. But I think conceptually, it would alleviate a lot of the, this shit's rigged, this and this and this. Because the fouls would be called in the moment. I think you have two fouls on the same fucking play. That cornerback grabbed, that cornerback grabbed. Great, you both get a fucking foul. Fuck you both. Clean it up. Do better on the next play. And that's going to that's gonna end up, you know, forcing players to play the game cleaner. And when you do that, you end up with less big fouls in general. And when you end up with less big fouls in general, you end up with less missed calls. Because the more of those big fouls you get, the more likely it is that one is going to slip through. Like the Nick Bosa holding in the Super Bowl. So anyway, so that's my fucking crazy harebrained idea on how to fix penalties in the NFL. Not Joe, that was a crazy question. You should never ask them again. Thanks for listening, though. Nobody builds 5G like Verizon builds 5G. Because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in America. And the more you do with 5G, the more building it right matters. The more your network matters. The more Verizon engineers going the extra mile matters. It's us pushing us. It's Verizon versus Verizon. 5G built right from America's most reliable network. Most reliable based on rankings from Rootmetrics second half 2020 U.S. report of three mobile networks. Results may vary. Award is not an endorsement. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.